peace, peace, and welcome to the Reaching Father podcast. I'm your host, Osa. Thank you for joining me here. This is a podcast where we're going to talk about fatherhood, co-parenting, and the surrounding relationships. Now, we'll probably get into a lot of other topics too, but the plan around everything is to take the conversation further, take the conversation deeper than what we're typically used to seeing. So, this is the first episode of many. Thank you for joining me. And I'm in this episode, I just want to take some time to talk about why it's important that I'm bringing you this ill-advised podcast. But before I get into it, let's check out the intro. Man, honestly, I ain't gonna fake like I got all the answers because if I did, the world would be in a better place. You know, I know one thing though is that I know a lot more than when I started this journey. And most of what I know about fatherhood, it's organic, it's instinctual, you know, and I believe some of it's from the outside, but a lot of it comes from within. And it seems like you can only reach those levels by actually doing it. You know what I'm saying? I'm glad I ain't been sitting around on the sidelines because this just takes work, man. It's just a matter of putting it in. And it's not easy. We may never do it right, but that's just what we got to do as men, as fathers, as parents, as, as citizens of the community. That's just what I believe. And to me, that's what it is. I mean, we'll never be perfect, but we can always keep reaching farther. I shake my head and look around. It's sad, sad. You should know the black dad ain't a bad dad, but it's too many in a crisis like Sudan. All right. Welcome back. So not only do we have an intro, but we actually have a whole theme song. It's called Reaching Father. You can only listen to it on Bandcamp. So go to Bandcamp and check out the Reaching Father track. And it's, of course, by me. Uh, it's also a track. I don't think there's a lot of songs like that about fatherhood, that it's kind of real and raw, but without necessarily bashing fathers. I don't know. Maybe there's other songs like this. Maybe there's other theme songs. But you know what? This is my contribution. This is my musical contribution to the theme of fatherhood. So I'd appreciate it if you go check it out on Bandcamp. Also share it with a friend. If you're moved to even donate and support the podcast, because whether or not you like what's happening here, this conversation is probably needed to be heard by somebody, some father out there, some man out there, even mothers and co-parents out there that may be looking for a different perspective. So any contribution that can make would really help this go a long way and it is much appreciated. So thank you in advance. All right, so now let's really get into it. I wanna talk about why I think that I should produce or make a podcast about fatherhood. I mean, there's so many podcasts out here, so why should you listen to this one? Well, first and foremost, I'm a father. So I like to think that I'm qualified to talk a little bit about fatherhood. The other thing is that I have three children. Now the twist to that is I have three children with different women. I know, I know, I know. It's deplorable to some of y'all, but for me, it's actually been one of the most impactful ways to look at myself because I get to see myself through the lens of three different parenting situations. Now with my three children, I have a 15 year old, a 14 year old and a four year old, which is interesting, very interesting to say the least, but I'm also in three different parenting modules, models, I'm not really sure, but the first one with my oldest child and his mom, who is just phenomenal, she's going to be on here at some point. Uh, I think that's a pretty good example of co-parenting. That's that co-parenting thing that we always talk about in these words that we hear. I think our strength has been in co-parenting and doing the best for our child. And that's my oldest child, my son right there, my oldest son right there. Next is my daughter, which I can't really talk too much about 
because well it's 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 like it's an open case first of all and also too it's it's like the toxic yeah 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 not not, not so great but you know whatever you live you learn and lastly uh, with my youngest child i think it's growing right he's still young he's, he's just turned four years old so it's evolving and right now i think we have what's called a parallel parenting uh parallel parenting situation which is kind of where we're just parenting alongside of each other as opposed to the co-parenting where there's there's more cohesion um, and working together so uh, i think those three experiences have been able to help me see myself in a different light because see i love all my children the same but the circumstances with which they're in are different it doesn't change how much I love my children, but the person who I have to raise them with does have an impact on what the situation looks like. So I think that that's why that's important. That's been an important learning uh, aspect for me. And I'm fortunate actually that I can see myself through three different lenses as opposed to just one, because that one lens could have been tainted and that would affect me negatively. And I mean, it could have had a very positive effect, but what I see for a lot of fathers is that they only have one lens to paint themselves through as a parent. And if that other parent doesn't have a bright lens or there's dust and grime on their lens, then that father will inevitably see himself in a darker or more negative light. So let's move right on. Um, I also think fatherhood is important not just because, I mean, I don't, like I said, I, I don't know if I said this, but I don't think it's going to fix any of the ills of the community. Like if we have more fathers and if we make more effort, I don't think that's going to necessarily in and of itself fix the ills of the community. However, I do think it's an important part of manhood, period. I think it's an important part of manhood. I think there are so many things from fatherhood that you can gain that you can't really get from any other type of life experience. And, I, and I've had quite a few, I'd like to say, life experiences. But however, there's nothing like fatherhood. There's nothing, there's no type of growth that I've experienced that's similar to what I've been able to grow from as being a father. So I also want to talk about these things in a way that's not so fluffy. I mean, I want to keep it raw, keep it real sometimes. So, uh, you know, I'm going to just tell it how I feel and tell it how it actually is for the men around me who who are experiencing the same things. And then for the men that are not, that are just going through some things that I feel like needs to be addressed. So I'm going to address them the way I want to address them. And hopefully we can have a better and deeper conversation about these things. Um, speaking of which, I'm open to better and deeper conversations. So reach out to me if you got some questions or comments or anything at reachingfatherpodcast at gmail.com. And I'll probably drop that information somewhere where I can. Okay. So now the other thing that I wanted to accomplish by starting this podcast is to have a space for myself and others where we can have healing thoughts. Um, I'm not, I know I go by Osa the healer, but I'm not like a doctor or anything. <laughs> like, like, I don't know, like all the medicines that you need and concoct and all that stuff. However, though, I feel like a lot of healing is going to come through the way that we think about things. I think that a lot of us remain sick and a lot of us remain ill because of the way we think about things. And with this podcast, my intention is to produce or provide or 
express some thoughts that maybe can be healing in a way, in such a way, hopefully, you know, because I think that's where much of the healing starts is in the mind. I mean, doctors can give you all types of medicine and, and things that they want, but if your mind ain't right, it's only going to have but so much effect. And I mean, you know, you can go to the gym and, and all you want, but I mean, if your mind ain't right, it may not have the same effect. So I think that, I mean, I'm, I'm not no mind doctor either. However, I do think a lot and I do try to think thoughts that have helped me heal. And for what it's worth, I'd like to share some of those thoughts with you. Now, speaking of healing, I know that's like a big thing right now, you know, and, and fathers and men and women and, and folks are trying to heal. And that's great. And for those of us that are along our way, I, I hope that we continue. However, I feel like we're at a point in history where we're going to have to evolve this time that we're in. It's it, we're almost in this Darwinistic survival of the fittest times. And I think it's going to be very important for a lot of us to just evolve. There may not be enough time for us to heal. I mean, if it took you 30 something years to get to the place that you're at, how long do you think it's going to take to heal? I'm not one of those people that believes that we just going to come together in one event for a couple of hours and we're going to like, you know, bang some drums and rub some crystals and then life is just going to instantaneously get better. I don't believe that that's how healing works. So anyway, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But the other the more important things are, you know, around the fatherhood. So I want to talk a little bit about certain things that happened in my life that were really impactful towards myself as a man and then how these things impacted me as a father. Um, I would say one of the most impactful things or impactful experiences that I've had, I've had quite a few in my life, but one of the most impactful is my participation in an arts organization called The Sanctuaries. It was an arts organization based in Washington, D.C. that I helped co-found with a good friend of mine, good brother of mine, Reverend Eric Martinez Resley. Shout out, Rev. Eric. What's really good? I think that this was a unique experience for me because this was a community centered around bringing people together from different races and religions and bringing community out of those people, right? And largely it was formed around arts projects and artistic, uh, artistic endeavors. It was really important to me because it helped me practice and become more self-aware because I got to see myself in and amongst other groups of people, which helped me understand what I'm bringing, how I show up into spaces, and I think was a really, really, really critical piece. Now I want to add this, add this out there because I, the, the sanctuaries actually also became known as a, a justice organization. Um, so that's what a lot of people know it for. Now, of course, I got into it. It was arts. It was about me meeting people from different cultures and hearing their stories, meeting folks from from D.C. who I never would have met otherwise. Because I mean, Washington D.C. is a diverse city. However, it's very segregated. So these are people who I probably never would have met. And that was really what was more important for me. We became known as a justice organization, which if I'm really, really honest with you, I wasn't even really rocking with that first. You know, <laughs> Rev. Eric, he first, you know, he's a very thoughtful man. I, I also learned how to be thoughtful from this man. He's very thoughtful. 
And so before the organization started going in that direction, he came and he asked me, he said, well, what do you think about us getting involved with justice campaigns and this and that and the other? And honestly, because of my self-awareness, I was like, nope. <laughs> that was the first thing I said to him. I was like, nope, but I know you have to do it because that's what the people wanted. Um, and even though it kind of went that way and, and, and I think that it did a lot of people, it served a lot of people very well. It just wasn't serving me to talk about those things, especially as a father, right? To talk about certain things in a certain way um, that doesn't really serve me as a father or as a man, particularly if it's gonna be talking about things that make me feel like a victim. I mean, that's not really gonna help me as a man or as a father because I have children to raise and I don't wanna be always taking the victim role or always making excuses, nor do I want my children to take the same thing. So that was my resistance to a lot of some of that justice work and, and those things like that. And not the work in and of itself, but some of the messaging. I mean, I was down to do the work, I'm always down to do the work, but some of the messaging and it was really challenging for me to embrace because I feel differently. The other issue was that with these organizations and with these ideas, it empowers other people who aren't black to try and speak for me and try to speak to my experience, which may be different from the next black person's experience, which may be different from the next black person's experience. But it empowers people who aren't black to try to generalize and speak for a, an experience that may not even be mine and is most likely not mine because we're typically talking about mysterious things at this point in time. Anyway, moving on from that, because I can talk about that for a long time, and I'm sure it'll come up over and over again in this podcast. But the most important thing that I got from the sanctuaries was being able to see myself, being able to see myself outside of the circles that I'm used to, to really assess how I show up into a room, really assess how I show up. And I think that that's important as a father, as a parent, right? When you, when you're able to see yourself and how you show up into spaces, into your child's life, it becomes a really, really critical skill and a really critical tool that you can use for your improvement if you choose to do so. Now, I would say another very, 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 very important experience that I had in my life was with the Core Health Institute in Baltimore. Went through a variety of iterations, but Right now, it's known as the Core Health Institute in Baltimore. That's ran by my, my big brother, Munir Bahar. Awesome man right there. Awesome man right there. And so for the past, I don't know, what is it? I don't know, like, yeah, it's like 20 years, actually. That organization um, has been running. I think I jumped in around um, 2003. So I think, yeah, it started 2002. I jumped in around 2003. So we did a variety of community programs, largely around youth mentoring. Uh, we started with brother to brother where we were working with young, young males and bringing them through a variety of experiences. Uh, everything from, you know, camping and hiking, just the fellowship and bonding, bonding positively, exercising is how we, we it turned into core into a, to a health program, health and exercise program, and a lot of positive experiences amongst men that we just don't have as a collective. Like we collectively, we don't really have a lot of positive male bonding experiences if you really think about it a lot of them are largely based around something either negative or not productive so the core health institute gave me an opportunity to kind of 
co-create and facilitate a space for young men, young African-American men, young black men, whoever, to come together and create a positive space and create a productive space where we're learning, where we're growing, where we're building. And I just haven't had too many experiences like that in my life. So that's why that one stand, stands out to me. And it also taught me and gave me the opportunity to practice being committed and actually doing things that I say that I believe in. You know, we were really about that action. Um, some people were familiar with the 300 Men March. Uh, that was a nonviolence initiative that was started. What was that? I'm not really good with dates. That was probably around uh, 2014, 2015, something like that. And that was a nonviolence initiative that was started in the city to bring down the violence. Again, because that's really important to me. The violence that's going on within the community is more important to me than any violence that anybody from outside the community could possibly bring in. And the community, I guess, would be the Black community, if you will. I don't really get caught up on all that, you know, racial stuff, but just the, these are the communities that I've been living in, that I've been adjacent to, that I've been around most of my life. So the violence that was happening in the community was absolutely number one most important thing to me. Yeah, amongst other things, but that would that's definitely high on the priority list. I mean, the violence coming from outside of the community was nowhere near as important, not only to me, but also to the young men around me. I mean, they're they're not worried about anyone else coming into the community and harming them as much as they're worried about people that they know and who live within their own community. So that's why that initiative was very important to me, the 300 Men March and, and everything around that, because I was able to practice doing things that I that I say that I believed in, not just talking about it, not just yapping about it, actually hit the streets. We actually did uh, community walks through Baltimore City, which is arguably one of the most dangerous cities in the world, arguably. But doing that, those type of things really, it pushed me, it did something inside of me. Um, also because I was able to see a relationship with police that I never thought was possible. I always thought that, you know, police were always trying to kill us, but the way that they received us and the work that they were, that we were doing, which was showing up for our own community and trying to create safe spaces, at least even if it was temporarily, I felt like the police in Baltimore City were very thankful and were very appreciative and at times moved the hell out of our way, which was rare. I mean, as a black man, I could never imagine some of the things that I've seen from the police at that time with what we were doing because we as citizens we as community members decided to do something about it uh, as men we decided to do community walks to the neighborhood on a weekly basis on a and making consistent efforts even the police had to recognize that the police had to salute that and once you see that once you experience that you can't go backwards i can't man, put it like that i can't go backwards and now pretend like I still think that police are all trying to kill us. I just, I can't, I wish, no, I don't wish I could because I've actually seen differently. So when you know better, you got to do better. And so I'm just trying to do better. And that's just one of many experiences that made me see things differently because we're all in this together in a sense, right? And, and as somebody who cares about the communities that I live in, um, 
I like to do better. And, you know, that's the other thing, going back to like the justice, <laughs> the justice piece where people tend to want to be like activists and things like that. And I never, I never wanted to be. And I know some people may think that about me because of maybe some of the things that I've done, which may seem like what activists do. But one, my great grandfather, uh, not my great grandfather, but my grandfather, my maternal grandfather was what I consider an activist in the civil rights movement. He came from Nigeria to America to be in the movement. He taught at various universities. He held SNCC meetings at his at his house and was kind of one of the elders of the movement at the time. So that's why I'm hesitant to even say anything close to me, me being an activist, because I, I wasn't working like that. I, I've never done like that. I think what some people would label me as an activist for, I would just say, I just, just, I'm just active in my community. That's it. I'm just active, like where I live in the places that I live and I'm just present. Like, that's really it. I, I don't, it's not like a thing, like activism is a thing that people really do. And, and I got a lot of love and respect for all the activists out there and, and those who are really trying to affect change. But I would feel disingenuous if I tried to claim that from anything that I've done, really. It's really, I just like to be active in my community. I just like to be active in my hood. I'm just like every other dude, you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of dudes just like to be on the block and so do I, but I like to be on the block contributing something differently. So uh, again, going back to the Core Health Institute, this gave me the opportunity and the experience to do those things, to be on the block, to be out there with amongst the people, to be, you know, with the group, you know, uh, of other dudes, of other men. It's like, it's, it's some gang, it's some gang shit, really. But, you know, that's that was impactful to me. And it just gave me a whole rack of experiences. And that's why I value people who contribute to the safety of the community. I don't even care anymore. You know, young black men, we don't like the police. We can't stand them. But as I've matured and I value the community more, I value the people who take the safety of the community more. Why? Because my children are in the community. My children are here. My children's mothers are in the community. My mother's in the community. My father's in the community. And so people who are taking the safety of the community seriously should be considered more my allies than anything else. And as a father, I think that that's important. As a man, that then becomes important. You know, if, if, as a man, it should just be important. I don't really understand how you can be a man and not value the safety of the community or disrespect the people who do value it or, or try to get in the way. I don't really understand how that works, but to each his own. For me, that's really, really important. And I think that uh, when, it, when it comes to the community aspect, I think being a father uh, hopefully can change that. She should change something about that, change something in that perspective. So. That's my word on that. So in a nutshell, that's why I made this podcast. That's why I'm starting this podcast. That's why I'm going to talk about the things that I'm going to talk about, because I have a sense of urgency for things. I have a passion and I really care about particular aspects of the community, particular aspects of manhood and fatherhood. And I want to just be able to express those things unabashedly without having to worry about going on somebody else's platform and offending people. I don't really care about offending people. And I don't really care about being right. For me, it's not about right or wrong. 
It's just I'm more of a cause and effect type of person. And I and I think that's from some of my experiences, right? As as many of you know that know me, I'm a I'm an artist, you know, I'm a, a rapper and a music producer, which is very artistic and very creative. However, I'm also, you know, a little bit of a, a tech nerd, a bit of a geek, and I've done some a little bit of programming, web programming in my life. So I have that logical process oriented balance, which I think has been really beneficial for my mind flow and the way that I think about things. So not everything is just how I feel. And actually, I believe I say this, I believe that a well-balanced person is someone who is not only balanced between their emotion and logic, but somebody who is able to have their emotion inform their logic. And, you know, I know I get I get super logical. I get super brainy about things. However, my a lot of my logic is informed by my emotion. That's why I get so passionate about things. So that's going to be it for episode one. Thank you for listening. In our next episode, it's called Sins of the Father. Oh, we ain't wasting no time. We are going all the way in about Sins of the Father, and hopefully it's going to be something special. Again, check out the theme song on Bandcamp, and thank you for listening. This is Osa. Peace. Shake my head and look around, it's sad, sad You should know the black dad ain't a bad dad But it's too many in a crisis like Sudan Let me be transparent like a glad bag I seen too many men denied, yeah it's that bad What do I know, a good dad is all I ever had And if I didn't, I'd be on with a vengeance To be the best that ever did it Let that man be with his children On God, that's something I believe is true if you-